know what it takes to move good to great? Are you almost where you need to be but not quite there yet? Find your way to success today. Welcome to the James Dentley Show with Dr. James Dentley. We've got the tips and guidance you need to propel your success to the next level. Now, here's your host, Dr. James Dentley. Hello and welcome back to the show. Of course, my name is James Dentley. We have a very exciting show for you today. And I want to say thank you, first and foremost, to everyone who attended and and supported the Limitless Empowerment event we had just last weekend. It was absolutely incredible. Uh, the replays are coming out very, very soon, and we're going to bring all this to you through our new streaming platform, JD3TV. And remember, in our world, we don't think outside of the box because, in reality, there is no box. I have the pleasure to uh, have an amazing guest I want to bring to you today, but we have a very special day because my dear friend, Mr. Michael Matthews, is going to co-host with me today. Uh, Michael is an incredible entrepreneur. He is a former athlete. He now is a uh, publisher and helping people to pull out their story and, and write their books. So, Michael, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Dr. Denley. It's a pleasure to be here with you today on this lovely Friday. Well, you're looking really dapper, man. I left my jacket at home. I guess, I, well, since I am at home in reality. <laughs> Mike, I'm pretty excited. You know, uh, we've been together for many years. Um, you supported everything that we've done and vice versa. We friends, our families commune together. And when we were at the city gala and city summit many years ago, a few years ago, um, I, I don't know if I was getting the legacy award that day. I don't know if that was the day, but, um, the bottom line is, you know, I was very entrenched in the organization and, and really trying to do some great work. They help us with our nonprofit to start and help us get exposure and, and because of that organization, I dedicated my life. And my life's mission is to make a difference in the world for other people. And I know you feel the same as you're on the boards of not only our organization, but many others yourself. But you met a very um, a very incredible gentleman on the taxi cab ride uh, going back and forth to the event. And actually, he graced the stage. And he's just got an incredible, incredible um, a resume. And he's so documented. But he's just a wonderful human being who's also dedicating his life to get out there and make a difference, to share his story, his knowledge, and even the things that didn't go right in life, because that can save you a lot of headache, time, pain, and money. So, Michael, why don't you uh, share the story about how you met Mr. Brandon Steiner? Uh, sure, no problem. Well, first, like you said, we support everything that you do and um, everyone else, and you invited us to be part of the City Summit and City Gala with the late Ryan Long, God rest his soul. And Robbie and I just jumped out the airplane and went. We didn't know what to expect, except we knew what you and Kyra does. So it's always going to be something that can put a bright light on our life as well as other people. So I like to get to the uh, events early. So I'm glad I left that particular day. God must have blessed me with that one blessing. So I'm suited and booted waiting on the taxi cab. And here comes uh, a man with a deep accent voice sounded like New York. He said, hey, big fella, are you going to the event? I said, yes. He said, are you waiting on a taxi? I said, yes. He said, can I ride with you? I said, yes. Then he said, you look like a baller. Who did you play ball with? So I told him the name of the local Chicago area athletes mm -hmm. that I played ball with. I also um, up front said I didn't play in the NBA, but I played with a lot of the NBA greats of my day in high school, college, and the summer pro-am tournaments, as well as a little bit overseas in Europe. Then the taxi guy comes and we get in the car and he starts telling me more stories and stories about 
his mom's, um, how she helped him out. And she always told him he has a book out titled, You Gotta Have Balls. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was having some uh, issues with his paper route. And he talked to his mother about it. And she told him a lot of uh, nug- nuggets. And then she said, you gotta have balls. So eventually he wrote a book about that. And that's what wow. the title of the book was. Yeah. At the end of the ride, he gave him his business card and said he liked to keep in touch. Yeah. Then we dispersed it. Then we get in there, and I'm sitting in the middle front row taking notes from the, I think he was about the third or fourth speaker. Yeah. And when he came out on stage, I was like, wow, I was just in the taxi cab with him. <laughs> and my point being with that was you don't prejudge people. What if I would have prejudged the story that he was telling me mm-hmm. about he played three-on-three with Michael Jordan? Mm-hmm. I said, what if I would have said to myself, oh, this guy, who is he talking about? Uh, he doesn't even look like a ball player. <laughs> but I didn't do that. I listened to understand rather than for me being understood. Mm-hmm. And because I did that, we developed this communication. And oh, to fast forward to something up a little bit, he said his, that he wanted to send me a present just for showing up. So he did send me a gift, which was this book, You Gotta Have Balls, uh, autographed baseball, and an ink pen with some New York Yankee Stadium dirt in it with the authenticity certificate mm-hmm. and uh, that type of thing. So it was just one of the most awesome events that I experienced. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, we're to have this gentleman here, and I don't want to keep you before him, but, you know, Brandon Steiner, uh, he wrote his first book, The Business Playbook Leadership Lessons from the World of Sports. So he has studied the lives of people and witnessed them firsthand on really what it takes to win and what are their habits, their hobbies, their philosophies, who are they as individuals, and just average everyday people. But then what do they have and what are the steps that are needed and necessary to take uh, their skill set, the dreams that goes into greatness. And for some, what causes other people not to quite reach the mark? Um, he's been a top uh, national lecturer everywhere from Harvard, uh, the Kellogg Business School. Um, he's uh, Yale, Columbia, you name it. He's been there. He's been one of, one of the incredible motivational speakers, just inspiring the hearts of people throughout uh, different venues, including Fortune 500 companies as well. Um, You've got to have balls how a kid from Brooklyn uh, started from scratch, brought Yankee Stadium, and created a sports empire, is his book. He's been seen on every major network, from CNNBC, CNN, MSNBC, ESPN, you name it, he's been there. And this gentleman's just making an impact in the lives of so many people. His resume goes on and on, but you don't want to hear from me. Let's hear his story right from his mouth. Brandon, welcome to the show. Hello, sir, how are you? Oh, wave. That's why I want. Brandon, we are live. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hey, how you doing? Let's go. Hey. What's up? <laughs> you know, Michael, he was sharing a story, and he shares a story how he met you. I always call from him. Can you hear me okay? And hang with me one second here. Not a problem. Not a problem. They're working on their sound over there, guys, but don't worry about it. We're going to have Mr. Steiner. It's going to be well worth the wait. And uh, I want you guys to understand that when you're working with people who are business people, business icons, and if I'm even from a key people at a mom and pop store, sometimes you got to rush and stuff is just kind of happening. But we're going to get him back onto the platform in just a moment uh, once we're clearing up some of the technical difficulties. He's good? Okay, we're good. Hey, how you doing, sir? Mr. Denley, nice to meet you, and it's a pleasure to be here. I'm sorry I'm technology challenged. Um, <laughs> uh, a lot of people have, you know, I've had a lot of challenges. This is just a long list, and at some point I'm going to cure this uh, 
this adversity of not being able to get these things working. I'll tell you, first of all, it's an honor, but I will be uh, totally transparent. I have two other people here who not only show me how to do this and do it for me, but they even help me. St- they teach me how to spell. So <laughs> I got a long way to go. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. Love it. Love yeah, it. Yeah, you're good for you. Mike is there. Mike, you want to say hello? Hey, Brandon, how you doing? Hey, Mike. How are you? Nice to meet you. Yeah. Nice to see you again. Yeah. Well, you know what, Brandon? We've been doing events for ooh, well over, over a quarter of a century. Uh, training, teaching people, and showing people how to find their voice. And we always like having someone like yourself on uh, on our show because um, the moment we had the conversation, you said, look, I do this all the time. I'd be more than happy to do it. So that comes from a lot of uh, your background. And even your mother, the, the statement she made that you wrote a book about it. Can you share with our audience just a little bit about your background? How much time do we have? You got an hour, buddy. Go. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. My mother's favorite line was, you got to have balls. And, uh, you know, having balls is not a, um, my mother was a fearless, you know, raised three of us on her own and not easy. And uh, I always tell people, like, being a mom is the hardest job on the planet. You know, I don't know what, I don't know what us guys are thinking, but women are a lot smarter. We're never going to do what a woman does in a day. And women are superior. And I learned that at an early age from my mom because, you know, she was always like, what else? What else? You got to have balls. And one of my favorite lines of hers was like, if not you, then who? Which I think is really important. And I think that's a big part of who I am is like, I've never been afraid to go after all the different hopes and dreams that I've had. And I never really used my past to dictate my future. I never let things that were kind of messed up because life is difficult and messed up things happen. You know, your parents get divorced or, you know, you grow up poor. Those are just your circumstances. That's not who you are. And you can't let that stuff dictate all the opportunities that you have in this incredible life, especially living in this incredible country. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for me, you know, things were a little rough. Uh, well, they were really rough. But, you know, I had heat in the summer and I had uh, air conditioning in the winter. But at the end of the day, you get through those things and they make you better. And I think the only time you really do get better is when your back's against the wall, when you put yourself in an adverse situation. And, you know, one of the things that's true even in this country right now is horrible, is difficult, and obviously losing lives and different things have been just terrible. But we're going to come out of this better. There's no question. We're all going to be stronger. The things we've now learned online, just a zooming on a regular basis instead of traveling all these miles to have an intimate conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, you just go on and on with already some of the benefits, but listen, it, to get that kind of advantage and those benefits, you must go through some adversity and some of it is dark and some of it is not pretty and certainly not convenient. I would say commitment is not convenient. And certainly this period we're going through right now, there's not a lot of convenience when you go through these kinds of changes and these kinds of uh, adversity, but I'm excited to see what happens on the other end. And that's where my focus has been. My focus has been, let me get busy with my future. Let me get busy with what I can do, control the controllables, and let me put my best self forward given the circumstances. And when this thing strains itself out, because that's what we do, mm-hmm. we're made for to deal with this kind of adversity and this kind of uh, craziness. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, anything you've ever done that's been usually extraordinary or great came from when your back's against the wall, whether it was your wife was straightening your ass up or I'm leaving, to a boss sitting you down and giving you a final warning, you know, whatever it is. Those are the shakeups that at the time are really like hurtful and, and almost lead to crying and breaking you down. But 
you know, those are the things that, that, that make you who you are. And that's mm-hmm. how, you, you know, the, the good thing about being a human is you can recover and you can, you can rebound. Um, the one thing I say is, and I know I'm on a little bit of a rant, it's the only two reasons why we're here. You know, we're only here for two reasons. And one is to get better. You know, that's my big sign in my office is, is beat yesterday. Yeah. Well, if you're not waking up every day and trying to do a little better, be a little better, not mm-hmm. only a business, which is what most of us focus on, how we can make more mm-hmm. money. If we make more money, then we'll be happy. But if you become a better spouse, if you become a better friend, you become a better employee, not wait for your employer to be a better employer. Mm-hmm. Employees trying to be better will make our employer enable them to be better. So, you know, that's how that all works. It beat yesterday. And how do you help one another? Because to fill yourself, you have to forget yourself. If you realize it, there are thousands of species on this planet. Yeah. Thousands. Birds, cats, birds. I mean, ants, elephants, tigers, lions, bears. Not mm-hmm. one of those species, James, not one, one. can get better. An elephant's going to eat, poop, and once in a while have sex for 17 hours a day. And, <laughs> and that elephant I know has been around hundreds of years. Yeah. That species has never got better. You're never going to wake up in the morning and see a dog in the corner having walked itself, fed itself, reading the New York Times. It's never going to happen. Never going to go fishing your tank, doing backflips and a breaststroke. <laughs> we have the advantage and the privilege, not only of being born in this country, which is amazing, but also the ability to get better. We're the only species. The good Lord created this entire world with all these different dimensions and only one species. One can improve. So if you're waking up and not getting better and not beating yesterday, don't do it for yourself. Don't do it for your family, your company. Do it for the God darn reason of why you're here. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you want to break it down. If you want to be a really solid citizen, you know, are you, what are you doing for your community lately? If you're feeling like a little shallow, you're not feeling mm-hmm. great, help somebody. Yeah. Best way to feel a little better, help somebody. Mm-hmm. Help your community. Do something to help your community. Go help an older person shovel out their snow. Get some milk and some stuff if the weather's adverse. Do something. Mm-hmm. And by helping somebody, you'll make you feel better. And sometimes it'll lead you to, I would say, helping people is not a burden, uh, James. It's not. It's an opportunity. Yes. It will lead you to sheer joy. Yeah. And it's a shame that most people wait till the very end to do all the good. Wow. Doing good, doing good leads you to doing well. Most yeah. people are like, oh, let me go on that diet Monday. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just get through this one quarter of work, then I'm going to go home early after dinner with my wife. Like, no, no. If you do as much good as you can, that's what leads you to doing even more well. Mm-hmm. Not doing really, really well, and then eventually you'll do some good. Most yeah. people have the whole thing reversed. It's insane. And that's my last book, Living Our Purpose, is all about. It's like doing as much good as you can for as many people as you can, as often as you can. Yeah. And expecting nothing back will lead you to quality relationships. It'll lead you to quality people around you. And that's how you can die wealthy because the wealthiest person on the planet is the one who dies with the wealthiest and best relationship. So that's kind of how I lead myself to extraordinary. I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress. I've made a hell of enough mistakes and I've done some good things. and I've tried to help as many people as I can, but you know, that's where I'm at today. You call me on a Friday afternoon. I'm ready to go. Amen, brother. Amen. Hey, man, that you were so loaded with wisdom. I got to play this playback over and over, and I'm not exaggerating. We're getting ready to take a short commercial break, and this first commercial is going to be brought to you by our nonprofit, Already Always Amazing, Amazing Children, Veterans, Seniors, 
health and amazing you. And uh, we'll be right back with uh, Brandon Steiner and Mike Matthews because he has a few questions for you. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Already Always Amazing's mission is to serve as a catalyst to provide education, training, economic development, and to build the capacity of our most vulnerable and underserved communities, children, seniors, and veterans. Dr. Dentley and his wife, Dr. Kara Scott Dentley, co-founder of Already Always Amazing, believe it is our duty to give back and help children achieve sustainable self-sufficiency. Already Always Amazing provides support to organizations that serve our veterans so veterans can continue to make a major impact in this world. Already Always Amazing, providing vital resources and education to individuals and organizations that are committed to doing good. We are live on the red carpet. We're having a great time. Amazing. What a fabulous crowd tonight. It's moving. It's going to be a changer for all. Amazing. Fantastic. It's been a long time coming. For sure. And we're back here with Mr. Brandon Steiner from Steiner Sports. And, and I have a co-host, a special co-host, a very dear friend to me and uh, my brother, Mr. Michael Matthews. So, Brandon, I'm going to bring Michael in. I know he has a lot of questions for you. And I want to come back and talk about uh, faith and family and overcoming adversity and just the cool things about life, stories that you can share that can inspire and impact other people for that there's a brighter future ahead. So, Michael, you, I'll let you go at it. One quick thing, Michael, before you mention um, I, I know it's hard for to imagine that Steiner is left Steiner, but I'm with Collectible Exchange, which, by the way, if you go on Collectible Exchange, you get any one of my books for free. But I've left Steiner. That was a company that was a great company. I bought and sold it, and I started a new company called Collectible Exchange or CXStuff.com. Yeah. So if you go to BrandonSteiner.com, that's cool. But um, Collectible Exchange is my new company, not Steiner Sports. I'm done with Steiner Sports. That's over. Michael? All right. New chapter. All right, all right. Brandon, in your earlier conversations with Dr. Dentley, you said two words, or you said a lot of words, but two words. One was extraordinary, and the other was commitment. In your book titled Living on Purpose, you talk about the similarities of a tree being commitment, purpose, passion, and the traits. Can you dive a little bit deeper in that for our audience? Uh, yeah, thank you. And by the way, Dr. Dr. Dentley, if I called you James, I apologize. Um, I'm sure people have called you worse, but I will call you <laughs> I'm sure they have too, but no, James is fine. That's my name. Only because the sensitivity around the whole doctor thing. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, listen, the last thing that I would ever be able to get is a doctorate. So I got to have utmost respect for that. So thank you for, uh, you know, I, I love that. And, and uh, I appreciate that. But what's interesting about commitment and what's interesting about the tree concept is that I think that most people want, you know, you know, a lot, a high level of success, but they don't really understand the different parts of it that really go into it. And what I look at is, you know, the most important part of a tree is the roots. 
and how firm and strong those roots are. And to me, the roots are a lot of that. Those roots are purpose and dreaming. I think that the whole process starts with dreaming. I think the whole process starts with a level of unacceptance. You know, the fact that you're not willing to accept, but you want to do something about it. You want to build something. You want to create something that's going to make it better for the category you're in or the industry you're in or whatever it is. So I think it's really important when you look at the tree concept, you know, there's so many different things that get involved with finding commitment. But, you know, really commitment starts with having an understanding and agreeing with a process that is that you can't just make a commitment towards something unless you agree about what it is you're trying to do and understand what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it. So I always say try to find the white space and the purpose and the reason of why you're trying to do what you do. Because once you do, you get committed. And then once you get committed, because once somebody's committed, you can't get in their way. And that's when purpose kicks in. And you want to always be a purposeful salesperson or a purposeful business person. And being that is somebody who's dreamt it, visualized what it's like to be in the middle of that situation, what it's like to be the other person. And you, when you're purposeful selling and when you're purposeful in, in your approach to people, it means you're looking at both sides and you're trying to get committed towards making the situation better, improved. So I would say commitment is not always convenient, but it's, you know, I'm committed. Well, you first, you've got to be in agreement and you have to have an understanding. So like when I get into some things with my employees that, and when I'm, I'm, I'm basically telling them to get focused and get committed about something before I expect them to really get committed. I say, do you agree with me on this? And do you understand what I'm talking about? Once they understand and agree with what I'm talking about, then they can get committed. And once they get committed and they see what, what this thing is about, because they understand it and they agree, you get into purpose and then you get into passion and then you get into all kinds of stuff, uh, which is why you see some beautiful trees with leaves and everything else, because the core of that trunk is really about commitment. But the roots underneath that are about purpose and they're about agreement and they're about understanding. And that's the stuff that holds the tree up. Uh, and I think sometimes people get a little bit, I think people misunderstand what real true commitment is because that's what really leads you to true purpose is real true commitment. And what leads you to true commitment is having a true understanding and agreement about what it is you're trying to do. Not just working hard. I'm going to get through this wall. Like, but about really understanding and agreeing why you want to get through the wall, how you're going to get through the wall and then you can get committed. Then, you know, listen, you're going to do whatever it takes because that's what committed people do. So the living on purpose book was interesting. Is like, and I can see, you know, we're in the same age bracket, but, you know, what happens is people get kind of lost a little bit on their level of purpose and the level of dreaming. So, you know, you're working really hard. You want to get into college. You try to get good grades. You get SAT scores. You know everybody to give you these reference letters. You travel around the country, get into a school. And in some cases, a lot of kids are thinking about what they do when they get out of school. But I tell, I ask people in their 30s that are starting to make a good living, I'm like, have you given much thought about what's going to happen when you're incredibly successful in business? What are you going to do with that success? Are you prepared for the kind of success you're going to have and what you're going to do with it and how to handle it, which is why you have a high level of divorce or a high level of people that are really struggling, that have all this money and they're miserable. So it's like, if you're going to go do something, why would you think anything other than success? People say, did you ever think you're going to start these companies to be successful? I'm like, yeah, granted, I started the company with 4,000 bucks and made millions of dollars off that. 
I'm not quite sure I was thinking at that level, but I always thought I'd be successful. I always thought I'd win. But my mind was thinking always about what I was going to do after I won. It's something we talk about with our athletes all the time. It's like, I know you're this great player. I know you won some championships. But, you know, that career is going to end. What are you going to do with this power, authority, influence, money that's really going to matter? You see, when I talk to athletes, like, that's really going to be their – the winning, listen, winning and, and getting on championship level and, and being all famer and all those things are great accomplishments, but it's not the destination. It's just the transportation for you really ultimately to do something bigger. So, but most of them don't ever really get into the dreaming and to the commitment phase until like there's like one year left in their career. And I say to people, it's like, yeah, listen, dream the same way you did in high school about the college you wanted to get into and the profession you wanted to get into. Do not leave dreaming for just young people. You know, you're, regardless of your age, you can still dream big and, and kill it and, and, and make all kinds of differences, especially being a little older. If you happen to have a little bit of influence and authority, it's amazing what older people can do. And they just check out. Pisses me off when just when they're really ready to make a big difference. Yeah. Wow, I put a video about that today. Mike, I know you have another question, but I, I want to ask a question on this topic. Now, you've been around uh, in New York Yankees, that great institution. You have your own companies. You've spoken to uh, a lot of the top companies and organizations here. What are, you, what, are the, what are some of the traits of a winning culture that you've seen? Well, the, the, the winning cultures are the ones that, and then we get into this, I think we're a little bit, this is my thought thought about it, but, you know, bringing your dog to work and having a lot of food in the kitchen and all this other crap does not create happy cultures. I, I just don't believe it. I think they're nice touches. What makes a happy culture is challenge. You know, can you fill your people's minds with training rather than trouble is my always my theory. So, you know, when people in the workplace have a happy culture is when they're challenged. They're in agreement about whether either one of two things. They're in agreement that they're fighting for a result and some common cause today, or we're fighting an agreement about we're fighting for the future. When you start selling the in-between crap, your culture is in a nosedive. So if you want to have a great culture, it's leadership that is basically pushing today and why, or we're saying we're setting the, the planting the seeds now for later. And all this stuff, we may not see the fruits, but in a year from now or two years, it's going to be unbelievable. And you're able to sell that in. That's how you create a happy culture. And you're focused on growing your people. If you're ripe, you're rotten. If you're green, you're growing. If you're resting, you're rusting. At the end of the day, what's important is that you're constantly challenging your people. And I think the mistake that a lot of people make and a lot of the companies that go and speak to is, most of the growth they focus on is trying to teach their people how to work harder and make more sales. Gets back to the do good work and doing well. Like, well, when I go and speak, I try to say, listen, if you're happier at home and your wife and you are getting along a lot better, you're probably going to come to work a lot better. Yeah. I know when I'm not good with my wife, those are tough days at work because I know I'm not good at all. I mean, that's just me. Yeah. So, you know, how can I go, you know, so I think, you know, for what I tell leaders is to lead with empathy and to lead with a little bit of understanding that life is hard, especially when you have a family, you have kids. So part of your leadership, part of your growth has to be to educate your people 
especially if you have a little bit of a younger audience that are just having kids and starting families, about how to deal with some of these issues that come up. Because a lot of that stuff, you ain't learning in school. What do you do with your 15-year-old kid who all of a sudden comes home and smells like he's been smoking pot? What do you do with your 17-year-old daughter who comes home and you know, all of a sudden is looking for birth control? What do you do with your 11-year-old where all of a sudden the liquor cabinet's been open and the kid's only 11? Oh, and what are the consequences? And like, how do you deal with all that stuff? And then you know, keeping your marriage fresh, you know, after you've been married 10, 15 years. And these are all things that if you want to have a great culture, you know, keep your people growing, keep your people, enable your people to help them with all their problems, not just the business problem. And I think there's plenty of growth in the business environment about how to sell better, do better, manufacture better, price better. All that stuff's very important in the workplace. But you got to mix it up a little bit. And, you know, here's how you eat better. Here's how you sleep better. Here's how you can relate to your wife better. Like, these are all things that a lot of high A-level personality types will say, well, after I do well, I'll get to that. And we all know where that ends up. And that's why you see a lot of great, extraordinary people leaving the marketplace too early because they couldn't balance it out and they couldn't respect the other components uh, because, they, you know, their kids hate them. The wife already left or the husband left. You know, it's like, and these, I hold the bosses accountable for that. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Man, I've got a page of notes here. <laughs> and I have a I just want you to know, uh, Dr. Bell, I just want you to know, Michael, like, this is how I've been for 50 years. Like, you're not catching me on a day when, I, I mean, if you want to call me back tomorrow, we we get into the same level of intensity and focus. And if I don't have that one day, I'm going to go home and I'm going to chill out and watch TV. And I'm okay. I realize that day may come. But if I'm going to be here and we're going to have these kind of conversations, you know, then, you know something, I'm coming in hard, full. Amen, brother. Amen. Michael, you got six minutes before the next break, and then we're going to go to about another oh, 25, 23 minutes. Michael, what do you have? Okay, well, I'm going to switch it up and go to a sports question. I know you like Syracuse, and in, in your book, Living on Purpose, you talk about when Syracuse and Jim Beheim was playing Mike Krzyzewski and Duke, mm-hmm. and Duke was winning in the first half. And in the uh, huddle, uh, Jim Beheim gave the players a pep talk. Can you uh, elaborate on um, what the pep talk was about and how the outcome of the game went due to that coaching of positivity and purpose? Well, I think, you know, it goes back to a little bit also, like, if not you, then who? And I think the players got spooked. You know, they're in this, like, whole, they're in this, you know, Coach K gymnasium, Krzyzewskiville, all the hype. You know, you're in this, like, you know, almost looks like a high school gym. And, you know, it's intimidating. And I felt that way with a lot of teams that came in and played the Yankees, you know, back in the 90s when, you know, the old Yankee Stadium and they got Babe Ruth and Joe DiMaggio and all these Yankee greats on the big screen. And you're like, wow. It's like, whoa, whoa. I mean, you know, you got to be careful about, you know, where your mind can take you. And, and I think the, the, the pep talk he gave in the huddle was, hey, you got to forget about all that. That this court is is the same court as every court you've ever played on, and you 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 know, he, he really focused in on like you know don't be afraid to miss a shot, which is such an important simple lesson. One of the things I love about Coach Bayheim and a lot of these coaches is the, the lessons the simpler you can make them and the shorter the better, especially when you're in a huddle in a highly competitive game. You know, I always kind of laugh when I sit behind a coach's bench and, and they start giving this long dissertation of an answer like 
you know, you're in the middle of fierce competition. There's a lot of things going on besides your family in the stands and everything else. Like you got room for maybe 15 seconds to get one message across that, that the great coaches know that. And I think that's true in the workplace too. Like, I think that the one-minute manager, Ken Blanchard, brings up some great points. Keep the message simple, short, and make sure you know who you're talking to. So I think Bayheim was picked up on the fact that these these kids were a little bit taken in by the moment as opposed to being taken in on the competition and the game that was at hand. I think it's really, really important to realize, if not you, then who. You know, I remember being in Yankee Stadium and uh, – we were all the way out in left field, and my friends and I were talking. It's like, one day, one of us got to get on this field without getting arrested. And, you know, we were like, you know, 12, 13 years old. And I was like, that field just looked amazing. And I remember it was Mariano Vera Day, and I got to go on the field. I've been on the field a bunch of times, but this was like an amazing moment where they retired Mariano's number, and they actually, the whole stadium was filled. And they, I was the only non-Yankee on the field, Yankee executive or non-Yankee player on the field. And the first name they call out is Brandon Steiner. I run out to second base, give Mariano a hug. And I'm like, wow, man. So I come back over the dugout and Jeter's standing over there. He's man, you don't believe me. How'd you get on this field? And I immediately just turned to him and said, Derek, if not me, then who? And by the way, if you're not up to it, I could go in there and throw on a little jersey, play a little shortstop today. How hard can it be? And I know that's absurd and delusional and everything else, but that's my mindset. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you know what I mean? Like, and, you know, of course, I text all my friends like, hey, man, I'm on, the, I'm on the field, man. <laughs> and it's a small little story, really, but it's really, you know, I've had a TV show for 12 years, mm-hmm. three radio shows. Like, well, you know, this is a kid that, Almost got a zero on his SAT yeah. in high school in English. Yeah. And all the things that people tell you you can't do, is it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, yeah, if you want to do it, you know, just – so you know, I've written three books, and I, got, and, and, and I had basically almost a zero on my English SAT. Like, mm-hmm. how does this happen? And yeah. it happens because, you know, I feel like I have a, a, an important message I wanted to share. And I think that people wanted to grow in entrepreneurship and sales. I wanted to help them and I wanted to share the stories. So I had somebody help me actually physically write it. But I, you know, the books are completely written by me. Yeah. And it just shows you that sometimes you, I hate to say this, but sometimes you just can't listen to everybody, you know, and, and a lot of cases you shouldn't listen to most people. Yeah. My mother always says, don't care about what anybody else thinks. Don't care about what anybody says. Just care about the people that you know really care about you and what they think. Amen. Don't widen that particular group of people to the point where you're listening to what everybody thinks because it'll be too, you know, focus yeah. on the people that you know, love, and trust and care about what they think because they're going to tell you what they think for your own good and for your own benefit. And I think that's a good learning lesson for me from my mom back yeah. in the book. Yeah, perfect. And, and Mike, we got about ooh, 30 seconds. We're going to go to our next commercial. Michael, you're going to take it from there when we come back. Do not let Mr. Steiner get out of here without talking about that Michael Jordan story. Oh, boy. <laughs> I want to hear it. Ladies and gentlemen, Brandon Steiner, we're going to be right back on the other side. We're going to bring you our next commercial from JD3 TV, our new streaming network that will launch January 1, 2021. You don't want to miss it. Real people. Real stories, one reel at a time. Let's take a short commercial break. We'll be right back with Michael Matthews and Brandon Steiner. We are live on the red carpet. We're having a great time. 
amazing. What a fabulous crowd tonight. It's moving. It's going to be a changer for all. Amazing. Fantastic. It's been a long time coming. For sure. Dr. James Dunley is a world-renowned speaker, author, business sculptor, and philanthropist. He and his team of experts of excellence are committed to shine the spotlight on real people with real stories, real voices, one real at a time. This show demonstrates the power of the human potential to overcome, create, serve, and succeed. Welcome to The James Dunley Show. Brandon Steiner and Mike Matthews. Mike, we got 13 minutes in the show, but after that's over, we can keep going because we're still on social media. I want to turn it over to my co-host and my dear friend, Michael Matthews. And full disclosure, Brandon, I have a honorary doctor degree. My PhD is a public high school degree, D average, woo woo. And uh, I also teach and go to some of the brightest people ask me to speak. And I'm like, okay, the world's in big trouble, but give me the wheel anyway. Mike, I'm going to turn it over to you, buddy. All right. Thanks, Dr. Deadly. Now, Brandon, before we get started, don't forget to give Barbara Ellison a big hug for me and Dr. Deadly. She's an awesome sister, and um, it's a pleasure to talk to her as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. She's the best. Yes. You told me many stories in our short cab ride, and another one of the stories that Dr. Deadly brought up was the one about the three-on-three basketball game with you and Michael Jordan and his, and his team. Can you talk about that a little bit? Boy, it was funny how we met on that cab ride too, man. It was nice. It was nice to meet you, and it was an interesting uh, conference. I, I love the the purpose of that conference is to do more good. So, you know, on my fortieth birthday, I um, my wife surprised me. She said, "I have a fantasy for you." She woke me up. I says, "Fantasy." So uh, she, you know, a lot of things go through your mind when your wife tells you that, and uh, sure enough. She walks in the room and gives me an envelope. It's a fantasy camp invite to Michael Jordan's basketball camp in 2000. I was 40 at the time. And, um, you know, I love Michael Jordan. I'm not gonna, I, I don't know how to discount it. I mean, that was like, I love Jordan. I still wear Jordan sneakers. I mean, how do you not love that guy? You know what I mean? I'm a big hoop guy. And he's one of the few players I've never met. You know, I've never had any interaction with. So that was also bothersome. Because already, you know, my sports career was taken off, but I just never met Jordan. So I said, honey, this thing's too expensive. He's like, get your ass in shape. Get to, you know, you're going to Vegas. That's where the camp is. It was like $15,000 to go to the camp. So I go to the camp and I get hurt on the first day. Blow out my calf. It's in ESPN magazine. If you go look at it, September issue of, uh, talks about the camp in September of 2000. Anyway, I'm sitting on the bench and I'd never been hurt at that point ever. No injury. I never had an injury, and I was on the brink of crying, to be honest with you. I was really upset because I'd gone to this camp, and here I am not playing. Michael Jordan comes walking over to me, and he then, I figured, okay, I get to spend some time with Michael. Guy steps on my other foot and then goes on the court, doesn't even say hello, 
and goes and plays with my team. Then I start crying because I could be playing with Michael and the whole thing just kind of blew me away. I was just, I was messed up. So I immediately, like I'm going home, I can't take this. And, and as I'm leaving, the guy says, you know, you can come back next year. Obviously you didn't play this year. So I go home and I get into Rocky mode. I'm working out, I'm running, shooting, you know, trying to be the best basketball player I could be, which on a good note, Maybe, maybe, maybe mediocrity. Maybe mediocrity. You know, I get them the best possible game that I could possibly play. You know, I, I'm, I'm I'm an okay player. I'm not going to hurt you, but you know, I'm not that great a player. I'm five seven, white Jewish kid. You know, I love the game though. I go back the next year. I see Michael on the first. And I said, Michael, I had a dream, and every day when I was working out, I was dreaming that I was going to kick his butt. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to beat him one-on-one on the four and four game, whatever it is. So we're playing. We get on, I'm sorry. I go see Michael and I'm like, Michael, I had a dream. I had a dream that I kicked your ass on the court. I had a dream that I hit the winning shot. You had to get off the court. He said, that sounds more like a nightmare. And you know what Michael was funny is I'm not a big trash talker, except really when I get on the court, I, if, I, if I get hot, I'm going, I, I'm a little bit of a trash talker, but so I still play. So anyway, we're hanging out, and we're in this little casino that night. We're talking. I go, Michael, I'm not kidding. I, I really want to kick your ass on this camp. I, I, I want a piece of you. And it's like 3 in the morning. And, you know, he was, it was him, Barkley. We're kind of gambling, hanging out. And he's like, well, tomorrow morning, 7.30, we play. Pick up. I get up at 6.30. I'm ready to go. Stretching, this, that, everything. I mean, you know, I'm boom, boom, boom. I mean, sure enough. The guys line up. I get on there. I get on the court. We're playing. Immediately I go, I got Michael. I got Mike. And in my mind, I feel like I got this guy. I feel like 100% can guard him. I can handle him. Doesn't seem too big to me. Completely delusional. But I'm in that state of complete confidence, complete disruption. I'm going to do everything I can to beat this guy. The first time I get the ball, He's probably not respecting or paying much attention. I, I square up. I shoot. It goes in. Michael starts rolling his eyes. He's like, oh, God. I said, Michael, why don't you play a little defense? Or are you getting a little old? Do you not play D? You know, maybe, maybe it's maybe too much to ask. I'm like trash talking. I get the ball back about two minutes later. I'm aggressive. I'm looking to shoot. I'm basically on the wing, you know, a good three-point wing shot, a good three-point college wing shot. And Michael's a decent distance away from me. And all of a sudden, as I go to shoot, I mean, like Superman, boom, knocks the ball. I don't know if the ball has still landed. There was three courts. The ball was all the way down the third court. I mean, it wasn't a block. It was like, boom. And he's just kind of like, I've had enough. I'm boxing Michael out. I'm grabbing things another man should not be grabbing another man. I'm, I mean, grabbing, pushing. At one point, we're like five feet off the court. He turned, like, who are you? I said, dude, you're going down. You're not winning this game, and I'm just boxing you out. I was out of my mind. So we're playing. It's now six to five in a seven game, and I'm realizing that this dream, even though I feel like in my boat, my mind, my soul, I feel like I had a good handle on the guy. And now things are getting a little bit awkward because he's got the ball. And he's kind of putting it in my face and he's kind of like getting ready to be done with me. And maybe this is not going to work out. And for a moment, I'm like, oh boy. And Michael makes one mistake. There's a short, stumpy guy underneath the basket. It's wide open for a layup. He passes the ball to him. 
and the guy misses the layup. I run to the right elbow, two feet to the right, one foot back, get the ball from the rebounder, immediately throw the ball up, score, nothing but net, high score. Now, I'm a smart guy. I may not be the best player, but I'm a smart player. And I know when you're playing in a team game, if you give the ball in a game situation where the game's on the line, you give it to the worst player, he's probably going to give it back because he's scared. Exactly what I do. I take the ball out. I throw it into the corner to the worst player who wanted no part of this because there's a lot of trash talking. Clap my hands, get it back. This time, I'm on the top of the key one foot over, a little bit behind where I was before. Get the ball back. Now, Michael is not looking to let me score, but his guy gets in the way. have some pictures, but I don't have them with me at home of a couple of these scenarios. The video is of this scenario is all gone. Complete conspiracy. There's no question that there was people videotaping, and those videotapes are gone. I now know that Michael definitely paid those people off. At least I think so. I don't have proof, but I definitely think those tapes are missing. This is almost like a Watergate level of situation was about to transpire here. I think that Michael never wanted a videotape to be around. And I'm just speculating because I don't know this to be true. But I get that ball back on the top of the key and I square up and Michael's man gets in the way from him doing the Superman thing to block my shot. Square up, nothing but net. Game over. Michael, get off my court now. You suck. And maybe you can have winners. What's great about the story is, first of all, you know, picturalization and dreaming. Because I know that if I played Michael Jordan a hundred times, I'd lose a hundred times, maybe. But on that given day, my you always have the power to will things to be. And in my mind and my soul, I was going to take this guy down. I felt I could guard him. I felt like I could beat him. And it's delusional. And if you picture things. It's such a strong power, what you can do with your mind. If you're out there thinking about doing something that maybe is a little bit outstretching for what you normally could do, or you're thinking about doing something maybe you've never done that maybe gets you a little uncomfortable, but picturalization and dreaming those things, you'd be surprised where your mind can take you. It took me to a win over Michael Jordan, which is insane, with all the trash talking and then kicking him off the court. He was when I see him, I've seen him a bunch of times, he will come over to my group where I'm at, not me go over to him, and immediately say, whatever Brandon's saying is not true. He's completely lying. None of this ever happened. And that's what I love about him, man. And I said, Michael, it's a problem. Because I, to my dying day, I can't tell this story when I'm out with my wife because she can't hear it again. And I said, like, I want this on my grave. Put this on the tombstone. And uh, it was just one of my great non-business, just sports moments. Because as I said, I am a very mediocre athlete at best. I was not given a lot of born, you know, skills. I was just kind of a hard grinding player that, you know, would do whatever the coach would tell me to do. And, you know, I have a couple moments of, you know, where I could do some things. But generally, I'm not that guy on the court anybody's coming to watch. But on that day, I pictured it. I believed it. And I achieved it. And uh, I love telling that story. I got to tell you, as many times as I tell it, it's like it's still as much fun. And what's great is that one of my good friends is courtside. I took with me and saw the whole thing. And another one of my good friends who was at the camp is there to verify the story, to make sure that I'm not exaggerating and to verify. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
That, that was an awesome story the first time I heard it because you were so enthused and in emotion and you were saying, I get Jordan. And I'm like, I'm listening and I I'm, I'm brought that story up for the word relationship capital. Because what if I would have just looked at you as just somebody just talking and not heard exactly what you said. So I was listening to listen, not to be, not for you to understand me, but for me to understand you. Well, thank you. And, and Michael has told us that story in front of groups, and I always pull it out of him. I say, Michael, tell him the story again. <laughs> People just don't see that coming from a guy like me. And, you know, something, I just got crazy for like eight months. You know, I don't know what kind of enemy I'm working at. I, I keep stepping on my foot, just pissed me off, just set me off. Like, I'm, like, I'm going back to that camp. I'm going to kick this guy's ass somehow. And, it worked. It, I mean, I just willed it to be. I mean, I just got it in my head. I, and I think it's so important for people out there that have a lofty goal or something they've always been thinking, but they're a little afraid. Like, if you, you can convince yourself of doing a lot of interesting things, and usually it's a lot more than what you're doing. If you, if you can convince yourself and tell yourself a compelling story, you'd be surprised what you can get done. And uh, listen, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was a little lucky that day. I mean, you know, it's some things that fell into place, but Hey, it happened. Right. Um, thank you very much. How about um, relationships that win? You have four traits or, or journeys that you talk about in your book about relationships that win. Can you give us a little insight on that? Well, I, you know, I think that, you know, one of the most important things I think in relationship building is not who you know, what you know, but what you know about who. And I think that, you know, people get caught up in networking and always wanting to meet new people. And I always say, like, first of all, get to know the people you already know and who they know. Now they have a thing called LinkedIn, which is kind of a similar concept. But anybody who's done anything incredible as far as business and, and in relationship building knows that you have to take a deeper dive on the people that you already know, whether it's your neighbor, relatives, friends. It's so important. So not who you know, what you know, but what you know about who. The second thing is, which most people don't talk about in relationships, but a lot of relationships do rest on value. You know, what is the value in your relationship? What's valuable to you that wants to be friends and have a relationship with me and vice versa? So, you know, I think value is what you could do for someone that they can't do for themselves. So I think it's really important that you think about not filling yourself, but forgetting yourself and thinking about the other person if you want to have a real relationship and what you can really do to help them that they may not want to do or can't do for themselves. And that's how you create value in your relationships. I think communication, if you want to have a great relationship, you got to have, I mean, you hear it in so many shows, movies with marriage, you know, everything's about communication. But the one thing I'd say about what makes complicated in these days about relationship communication is that not all communication is equal. There are times when I text my wife. There are times when I need to call my wife. There are times I need to get my ass home and see my wife. Like, it's not just a one, you know, one, you know sometimes I got to write a really nice card and a note. And same thing with your customers. Like, there's, there's, there's a Facebook messenger now. There's the text. There's the email. You know, there's all these different ways to communicate now. And you can make a legitimate argument that all of them are viable and important. So if you're not somebody who plays multiple levels of communicating, then you're probably going to be very lonely at some point. So you need to improve all your and turn up the volume of all your communication skills. Um, I still keep a stack of cards, greeting cards, note cards, 
in my desk, you know, for every possible occasion when I know somebody is hurting or sick or birthday or a funeral, so I can write a personal card. I'm an old school guy. And then there's, you know, your texting, your Facebooks, your Instagram messaging and all the other stuff. So, you know, if you believe that when you die, you really think about it, you really want to die wealthy. Well, dying wealthy is dying with a lot of wealthy, really vibrant relationships. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people that you loved and cared and made a difference with. I hope at my funeral, whoever goes and speaks for me, if I'm God willing, can say, you know, did, did, did my father who was crazy or my husband, did he make a difference in any of your lives? And I'm hoping that, you know, I hope I made a difference in some people's lives. Uh, and that's something that I really take a lot of pride in and, uh, and trying to help as many people as I can. So, yeah. and I think, you know, just, I think the overall you know, relationship building is not easy. So it shouldn't be taken lightly and it's not a one stop quick little, it's not based on likes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you, just because you have a like from somebody, it doesn't mean you have a relationship with them. Yeah. A lot of likes, but relationships yeah. are, are, are a much deeper, very real yeah. version mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with likes yeah. and views. Brandon, Brandon, we're going to hold that. Just pause it for one second. We're going to end the Voice America portion of the radio and podcast. We're going to keep going because we're live on social media. I want to thank each and every one of you all for tuning in. Don't forget next week, I'm going to be hosting our Christmas show. We're going to have a lot of fun and you're really going to enjoy being there. A lot of special gifts out there for everyone who's going to be plugging in. Brandon, before you go, how can they get your book again? Um, well, first of all, you go to cxstuff.com or collectible exchange and you'll see there's 50,000 items on there, every kind of collectible. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you can buy, you can buy and sell on my website. I'm like a better version of eBay, but then you'll see my books on there and you'll see all you have to do is pay for the shipping. All right. Awesome. I'm a big LinkedIn guy too, by the way, if you follow me on LinkedIn, I answer all the messages on LinkedIn and then you go to brandonsteiner.com. If you want to find out more about me just on a personal level, that's cool too. All right. All you folks out there in podcast land and radio land, uh, happy holidays. Be safe. Thank you for listening to The James Dentley Show. Be sure to join James for another inspiring show next Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you here next week.